1873, two bulls of this breed were exhibited at the Kansas City Livestock Exposition. Some considered them freaks because they had no horns and they were straight black. Today, it's the largest breed in the country with a branded marketing program like no other. Mark McCauley, CEO for the American Angus Association, joins me as we talk about how the breed has evolved, targeted breeding programs for the commercial rancher, and improvements he feels could be made in the Angus cow on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, coming to you all the way from the northeast corner of the Cowboy State of Wyoming as we are getting close here on the X-Ring Ranch to wrapping up our 2021 calving season. You know, last year was kind of a tough year on breed up with it being extremely dry. And what we saw was, of course, some of them cows that should have went down the road maybe a year or two sooner and some late calvers did not breed up at all. So we sent several down the road. But the ones that did breed up when we preg tested in November showed about 88% were going to be calving in about the first 25 days or so. And that's pretty good when you look at it on a herd average. So I told the vet I was going to let him know how he did after calving season. And so we start the 1st of May with calving. We're now headed into June and we only have 30 head of, cow, of cows left to calve so really happy about that as we had a busy month for the month of May but anyways glad to have you joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. On our show today we're going to be talking Angus. Mark McCauley CEO of the American Angus Association will be joining me as we'll talk everything about how the breed has evolved to where it's headed, straight breeding programs as well as improvements that could be made in the Angus cow so be sure to join us that'll be coming up in our next episode we'll get started on that also the captain tim o'burn will offer his two cents in just a bit and in our final segment meteorologist don day will join us as he had promised me a while back that we were going to see a better monsoon season this year in our area and with this drought persisting in some hot dry weather in the forecast for the next 7 to 10 14 days i'm requesting that this monsoon for us start sooner than later so don's going to join us to talk about that and i know for those of you listening in the south to south central south central you're probably saying hold on just a bit we are ready for this monsoon to end as there's been a lot of moisture down in that part of the country but anyways we'll talk weather that'll be coming up in our last segment well as we head into the month of june for a lot of us kids are now out of school we're getting a little help around the ranch from them and we sure appreciate that but if you're like my wife and i it's kind of a new venture for us because we had our first high school graduate in our house this year our first as i said and as that chapter comes to a close for our oldest son you know it seems like it was just yesterday that we were sitting in our first parent teacher conference when he was just in kindergarten and you look back like wow where did the years go by and, you know, you kind of struggle a little bit letting go of some of that and, and wanting the best for them as they move forward. And I came across this short story or writing by a young lady uh, that's from around this area here, Northeast Wyoming. She's the daughter of a friend and a neighbor that I grew up with. She's now graduated. In fact, going to be married, I believe, this month. But I thought her perspective from uh, the younger generation was good and offered some assurance to some of us about letting go of our new graduate. And so... I want to read it to you. Here's a, here's a short writing by Delcy Graham. I'll never forget the first time they sent us over the ridge alone. Our legs barely hung past the bottom of our saddle pads. We rode the babysitting horse of the herd, and boy, did it pay off. Our parents anxiously waited for our return. They knew what this step meant, even though we didn't. Cutting loose those ties to let us experience life on our own. In time, we reappeared. And from that moment on, we always knew our parents would be waiting for us on the other side of the ridge. It didn't matter how many ridges over we drifted, how far off path we got, we always knew our parents would be waiting for us to find our way back to them. They instilled those deep roots within us. They trusted that no matter where life took us, we'd always come back. Whether it was one ridge over or several, they knew we'd return to them, even if it meant lessons in life learned the hard way. Now, as a grown adult, we know exactly what they did for us. We know no matter where life takes us, how many ridges away we go, we can always arrive back at home, back to our roots and where it all started that very day when they sent us over that ridge alone. 
by Delcy Graham. Delcy, thanks again for allowing me to use that here on our Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, the show does not happen without our fine sponsors like the American Simmental Association. From maternal traits to terminal traits, the genetic merit of Simmental's genetics has provided increased profitability to the rancher. Sim Genetics Profit Through Science. Find out more at Simmental.org. Also, Cattleman U, education and community for today's cattle producer. Join today and use the code RANCH. You'll get $50 off. To find out more, I encourage you to go to their website. It's cattlemanu.com. And again, if you use the code RANCH, you'll get $50 off. Other sponsors include Gelvie and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to gelvie.org. Performance Beef, easy-to-use cattle management software. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. Beefmaster, nothing beats a Beefmaster. Find out more at beefmasters.org. And our final sponsor is the Working Ranch Expo that's going to be held December 8th, 9th, and 10th in Las Vegas during the National Finals Rodeo. Targeted just for the rancher, the cattle producer in mind. It's located right across from Cowboy Christmas downtown in the Las Vegas Convention Center. Join all of us from Working Ranch Magazine for this three-day event. And if you're a business and the ranching industry is your target demographic, this is where you're going to want to be. So jump in now with a booth before it's too late. You can find out more at WorkingRanchExpo.com. Well, let's check in now with the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, everybody out there in Radio Land. Justin, did JBS, one of the top four big beef packers, really take their ball and glove and go home? Well, according to WNAX Radio 570, they sure as heck did. JBS, the world's largest meat packer, has left the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. NCBA Vice President and South Dakota cattle producer Todd Wilkinson of DeSmet says JBS told them, get this, they didn't like NCBA requesting a Justice Department investigation into the prices cattle producers are getting versus what packers are getting and to see if there's any illegalities going on. Justin, that smells like a fish to me. It's my two cents. Well, thanks, Captain, and I'd like to commend the NCBA for requesting this hearing as well. And, you know, if it's going to take a congressional hearing to bring this topic to the forefront and get some action taken on it, then by all means, that is the direction we should be heading. But uh, interestingly enough, just to pass along a couple news items that are relevant to the newsmakers in the Captain's Two Cents there first is it looks like some pretty substantial bipartisan support in Congress for this hearing as Senate Ag Committee Chairwoman, Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow of Michigan is calling members of the Senate Ag Committee to address the concerns with the livestock industry supply chains. Additionally, there was a recent Ag Committee meeting uh, to consider Miss Jane Sims' hip as the USDA's top legal counsel. In that uh, interview that they had, she had with the Senate Ag Committee, Hip stated that if she was nominated, she commits that this issue will be quote as one of my very very top priorities unquote. So some news there in regard to that congressional hearing. Now, in other news regarding JBS, who the captain was talking about pulling away from the NCBA. In news this week, which most of you have probably heard about by now, is that they had been the latest subject to a Russian cyber attack. The news causing quite a stir in the markets as it hampered their operations in North America and Australia. All of this sparking some concern over potential meat shortages. We'll have to see what becomes of this. But it certainly does create more anxiety now, especially this is the second now of a major large company being attacked uh, in a cyber attack by the Russians after the Colonial Pipeline attack. And now this one on the largest meat packer in the world. It does create some anxiety within the marketplace. Well, before we go to break, as we head into the month of June, that means another issue of Working Ranch Magazine is hot off the press and headed your way. And if you have not already received it, then be expecting your copy. And if you do not receive this magazine, now here's what I tell folks. 
if you're in the cattle business in any way, shape, or size, it doesn't matter, or you just enjoy the ranching lifestyle, well, this is the magazine that I would recommend. Every issue is focused on you, the cattle producer, in mind. So if you'd like to begin your subscription, just head to the website at workingranchmag.com and subscribe today. Finally, I would like to hear from you. If you have a topic that you would like us to explore here on the Working Ranch Radio Show, feel free to give me a call or text at 307-363-COWS. That's 307-363-COWS. Or you can email me at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Well, coming up next, it's the ABCs of the type of cattle we predominantly see across the country. What are the ABCs? Angus Beef Cattle. That's next when the Working Ranch Radio Show continues. Successful cattlemen have a secret. They're always open to learning new ideas, and you can do that through Cattlemen U. Cattlemen U is an online community for beef producers or beginning farmers and ranchers who want to learn about agricultural marketing strategies, successful farm and ranch practices, futures markets, and more. Access new trainings from industry experts each month and network with members across the nation. Visit CattlemanU.com to sign up today and use code RANCH for $50 off at CattlemanU.com. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Well, it was 1873 when George Grant transported four bulls from Scotland to Kansas. And to some, these smooth-headed black critters were freaks because that wasn't the norm in the cattle industry at the time. Then in 1878 to 1883, we saw about 1,200 head of this breed imported directly from Scotland as well. Thus, the beginnings of what would later become one of the most dominant breeds in the ranching industry here in America that being the Angus breed. So today, with our subject being about the Angus breed, we're going to be talking about how it evolved, what the advantages are of straight breeding programs, why it has merit within the Angus breed, and what the focus for the breed going forward. So joining me today is Mark McCauley, CEO of the American Angus Association. And Mark, first of all, thank you for joining me here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Great to be with you, Justin. Mark, I always like to start with covering some foundational topics. So as we talk about the Angus breed today, there's no question that it has become one of the most prevalent breed bases in our commercial cow herd across the country. So let's step back and and how do you explain how that's evolved for the Angus breed to be that base that we see across many of our commercial herds? You bet. I mean, it has, uh, again, we, the, the breed and the breeders that, that raise registered Angus cattle are enjoying a, a lot of success. Boy, we sure saw that through the, the spring bull sale season here and continue to be in, in high demand. And, and, and as you say, we, we see a, a pretty significant market share of, of the genetics providing provided to the, the commercial cow herd as, as being uh, stemming from registered, registered Angus. Um, you know, and I, I think it's, it's probably a couple fold of, couple reasons maybe why we see that success today I, I don't think there's there's any doubt the the angus cow uh has has been uh just kind of a backbone of of the commercial industry i think she does an awful lot of things really well i think she's she's even easy cabin um she's uh pretty problem free good udders uh she's uh we've always seen those cows have have good longevity good mothering ability um, they can uh, adapt in a lot of different environments and and just just do a tremendous job for the commercial man. And then on the flip side of that, I think we've seen uh, uh, some tremendous uh, marketability of of 
of Angus feeder cattle and Angus fed cattle. Um, some of that, I, I believe, probably a good portion of that has been driven off the success of, of, of certified Angus beef and, and Angus other Angus programs that are out there that the consumer understands and knows and demands. Even though that same consumer may not know what an Angus even is, uh, they equate certified Angus beef with with quality, and and therefore, um, and the specifications behind the program and the the vision that the the early founders of certified Angus beef had to set the quality standards as incredibly high to guarantee a, a great eating experience, um, and the and that you know hit that marbling specification in particular that that angus genetics do so well and and i think that is just um you know that that premium in the marketplace that marketability of those cattle um having both maternal and and terminal traits uh has um has has really had tremendous appeal to commercial producers and and they've uh, adopted angus genetics into their into their outfit at a at a pretty high rate over the years the marketing that has been done with Angus branded beef has created incentive for producers to have Angus genetics. But beyond that, when when we look specifically at the cow and what it's doing for the rancher, there's also some economics that come into play in regards to the traits that that cow has to offer. And if we look back over the years, let's say starting back in the 1960s and we work through the 70s, the 80s and the 90s, and we see how these cow herds have changed over the years. And while marketing has done some with the Angus branded beef to have some influence in the growth, there's also some specific traits that has drawn the commercial cattle producers to the Angus breed. And traits, Mark, that I've heard you call the convenience traits that really do come back to some economics for the producer. You know, I, I think you're spot on, Justin. I mean, some of those things are probably hard to, a little hard to measure, I mean, but, you know, I just think about Cavanese. And, and I talk to a lot of commercial cattlemen that, that remember back uh, maybe where we were 20 and 30 years ago and, and uh, uh, the number of calves that they had to uh, assist at birth and, and some of the issues that, that came along with that. You know, we went through an era of 80s in the 80s of some some calving difficulties, some, uh, some, you know, some pretty heavy birth weights, some slow calves, some issues with that. And, you know, gosh, everyone knows what our, our labor situation is today. No one has time to be, to be messing with, um, helping, helping cows get calved out and helping first calf heifers get going. And so, you know, that it's hard to quantify the value of Cavanese, but it's a trait that the Angus breed is, has been known for, for an awful long time. And I think, is uh has been a huge part of you know you talk to commercial bull buyers today a lot of times uh, they start there they want cavities and then they want fast growth and and carcass merit if uh and and you know the angus breed's been able to provide all of those things mm-hmm. over the years we've seen trends within cow herds across the country and those trends are somewhat reflected in the breeds themselves and as you talked a little bit about the extremes that we saw in the 1980s but today where are we focused at right now? Where are you headed today and the trend that you think is going to be economical for the commercial producer? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great question. I think it's, you know, I think about the progress that we've made. If we look at, at the trends in in the Angus breed, probably all breeds are, are fairly similar in this regard, but I, I know the Angus breed better. Um, but, you know, to say that, you know, we've been able as we've advanced our 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 selection toolbox you know the epds today are just you know we've got more people using them better adoption more data behind them they're just more powerful than they used to be and they work and 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 where they work in particular is we think about those traits that are fairly easy to measure like growth and carcass merit you know marbling ribeye area and and we've been able to make a lot of uh, and those are highly heritable traits and so We've been able to make a lot of progress uh, in in those areas in particular, and so you think about things that have changed most in the Angus breed. Um, you know, I think we've we've put a tremendous amount of growth potential in the cattle. Um, with that comes some pretty big appetites and and intake, um, which we know we've got to have cattle that can consume to grow, and so that's a you know that's a sometimes a catch twenty two. We uh, we, we want them to be as efficient as possible, but we also don't need uh, cattle that don't eat and don't grow either. Um, and, and I'd say we've made tremendous improvement in, in, in carcass uh, value and carcass merit, specifically quality grade. Um, you know, the, 
the advancement we've made as an industry, and I, and I do think I do think Angus the Angus breed gets to take a fair amount of credit for the improvement we've seen in uh, in our quality grading trends over the years. I mean it. It wasn't that long ago we were running 2% prime, and uh, today we're running more like 10 to 12 to 14% prime in any given week. Um, cattle that we used to see, even of the black-hided cattle, that you know 15% of them would hit all of the carcass specifications for certified Angus beef, specifically the marbling one. You know today we're running close to 40%, um, and so. I do think we've made tremendous progress in in marbling and carcass merit and eating satisfaction. Um, at the same time, I think we've made tremendous uh, progress in uh, in growth traits and rate of gain and, uh, and and intake with these cattle. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, crossbreeding shows some scientific advantages and is very popular in our commercial industry. However, some things to be aware of. We're going to talk about that after the break. How would you like an easier way to organize and manage your ranch records? It's easy with CattleMax, the software for people who raise cattle. CattleMax brings all your ranch records together in one place. Manage your cattle data, including health treatments, breeding, and calving. Ranch records such as equipment inventory and maintenance, income and expenses. It works for any size herd. See how easy it is to manage your ranch records. Start free now at CattleMax.com. For commercial cow-calf producers, crossbreeding with Galvay and Balancer is the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. Galvay and Balancer females offer maternal superiority through increased fertility, greater longevity, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed. In the feed yard, Balancer cattle can offer increased performance, improve feed efficiency, and have excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds make the grade and deliver the value. Gelvy and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to gelvate.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Joining me today is Mark McCauley, CEO of the American Angus Association. And Mark, I want to address now the topic of crossbreeding, and, and there's always been a strong element within the industry of a crossbreeding program to take advantage of the heterosis and hybrid vigor. And while I'm not really wanting to pit straight breeding programs against crossbreeding programs, but just like many things in our business, you do need to have a plan. And crossbreeding, just for the sake of crossbreeding, may not always provide the benefit that one thinks. Yeah, you bet. And I, I think you, you make the, the great point of we're, we don't need to debate uh, the science of heterosis. It's pretty well established, and, and I don't know anyone's going to argue with that. Um, yet, yet we've seen some, some very astute commercial producers that have chosen to go a, a straight-bred route with their commercial herd. And, and, and it's not that they don't understand the, the significance of, of heterosis or the value of heterosis, but at times they but they also understand um um just maybe overall economics and and i think to your point crossbreeding for the sake of crossbreeding that's um um, I've got uh, got a lot of good friends in in, uh, in in academia in particular, and this is one I tend to like to have a little fun with them on when when they want to talk about crossbreeding. And and I I, I just throw up a, a bit of caution in that, yeah, you know, exactly your point. I think sometimes it's it's portrayed as just introduce another breed into your program, and that's genetic progress. And and I think introducing another breed blindly um, is 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 a little could be a little bit dangerous and actually take you backwards. Um, I think where uh, you know and and one of the advantages I think the Angus breed has today is 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 because of the size that we have in our in our database and that the the diversity we have of our breeders. Um, we have a lot of diversity in the Angus breed itself and. Um, and and so what we tend to see is um, you know commercial producers that 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 value the data the predictability of the data that comes with um, uh, with the Angus breed um, they they value the convenience traits of of calving ease and 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 uh, mothering ability and udder quality and then the growth rate that exists in those cattle um, uh, along with carcass merit and and uh, and and they stay on a program that's uh, that looks more like a, a straight bred 
program for a commercial outfit, then then maybe introducing the variability that and the and maybe some unknowns uh, or access to other breeds or um, because of of uh, maybe the, there's not you know some progressive breeders of other breeds in their particular areas and uh, and they've chosen to uh, to stay with a, a straight bred program. But you're right. I, again, I'm not I'm not here to to uh, to dispute heterosis, but uh, in, in any way. Uh, but I also think that um, you know there there are some really really straight bred commercial outfits out there that that use the data um, and uh, and and use it to be uh, to to be really really successful and make money. Mark, I've always felt that another target you aim for in a straight bred program is consistency. I know from my own experience, if you have a set of cows that are like peas in a pod, your management on those cows are easier to predict or to plan for versus an uneven herd that has more variations from the top end to the bottom end. So consistency in your herd can be a very beneficial thing from start to finish. Right. I think that's, um, you know, consistency of, of uh, you know, it helps from a marketability standpoint. Uh, that helps, you know, I know when you talk to the cattle feeders of, of trying to trying to take a set of cattle and, and market them to their optimal endpoint uh, when there's a ton of variation in those calves, you know, some different growth rates, some different maturities, um, it's uh, it's hard to do. And so they end up over finishing a bunch of them, under finishing a few, and, the, and to try to get to, to try to get to the the average to come out right. So that that variability has a cost. Mm-hmm. Mark, I want to go back real quick and talk about a breeding program, and, and it's a program with a plan in mind. You know, human nature says that we're going to gravitate to what we've always done or what we've seen, what we've been around and experienced. And I guess, you know, if you're happy with those results you see in your calves that go to market or your replacements, then maybe this question doesn't really apply to you. But when we talked ahead of this interview, you mentioned the importance of, quote, having a breeding objective. Can you expound on that a little more? Yeah, and I th- I think that's just so key, you know, for for uh, for any business, but in the in the cattle business of 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 you know what what is what is your breeding objective? Are are you um, are you a, a closed herd where you're raising your own replacement heifers and and uh, you know have uh, have an environment where you need to make sure that uh, you know your that the females the cows that stay in your herd are probably developed right there and you know and and then because that that sure plays into your your the genetic decisions you're going to make and then you know what is your environment what are your constraints on 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 labor what's your constraints on on nutrition um and uh and and making sure that that you're you've got a a program of of genetics that that fit that i'd say that's you know, it's probably um, um, we're, we're all aware, and it's, gosh, it's one of the strengths I believe of, of beef cattle production is is that we um, we can we can raise cattle on a lot of different environments, and we can we can we can make money with cattle on a lot of different environments. But the cow that thrives in uh, in in Montana is probably not the same cow that that's going to thrive in uh, in in southern Louisiana. And so, just making sure that that we really are 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 very disciplined in 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 understanding what our objectives are, what what uh, the constraints we have in our environment, and uh, and then you know and then how are we going to market our calves? Um, how are we going to um, are we selling at weaning? Um, are we are we are we part of some programs that are documenting the added value of, of our feeder cattle? Uh, there's getting to be more and more cattle. T- today, feeder cattle marketed. Uh, we have a program called Angus Link, and there's some others uh, out there as well that are documenting the genetic merit of feeder cattle. And uh, you know, do you want to participate in one of those programs? If so, uh, there's there's probably some some requirements that uh, that you need to think about on the front end of your genetics and using registered seed stock and that sort of thing to make sure that um, that you can be a part of those. Um, are you going to retain ownership? You know, and if so, how are you going to what kind of grid are you going to market those cattle on? And that obviously plays a, a part on on how much emphasis you want to put on on carcass merit and such, whether it's more of a yield uh, grid or a quality grid. And so, 
all those things are, are just so important to get kind of lined out. And, and again, realize not everything goes to plan, but you kind of have to have some some big objectives pretty well defined and then and then stay disciplined to those um, when 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 you're thinking about genetics. Uh, I think it's it's dangerous to to, to to be in the bull of the month club and, and kind of moving from 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 one thing to the next. And, and in the end, there's um, maybe you're 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 not going to like your cows as much as you as you'd hoped. And your calves aren't going to be as marketable as you'd hoped. We're going to take a break here. And after the break, making changes in your cow herd takes some time. However, there's some advancements in the industry that can provide more certainty of your breeding program before you start. We're going to talk about that after the break. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. If you could do something today that would bring you a profit tomorrow, would you do it? In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. And with limousine genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds, naturally, to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with limousine genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and longevity of your cows and bulls. It's as simple as limousine today profit tomorrow. If you could do something today that would bring you a profit tomorrow, would you do it? In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. And with limousine genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds, naturally, to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with limousine genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and long longevity of your cows and bulls. It's as simple as limousine today, profit tomorrow. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills and joining me today is Mark McCauley, CEO of the American Angus Association. And before the break, Mark, we were talking about having a breeding objective with your cow herd. And when you want to make some changes to your cow herd, it takes time. That's just physically the nature of it. Unless, you, I guess, you'd want to sell your herd and just go buy another one, which probably isn't very practical in most instances. But a term we've talked about in some other shows here on the Working Ranch Radio Show is genomics. And really, it's a term and a tool available in our industry that's not just for registered herds, but one that is highly applicable for our commercial herds as well. It has been a game changer. I, I do think it's uh, not to be too dramatic about it, but it has been a, a game changer to to um, to genetic selection. I mean, we can today look at um, uh, look at uh, by genomics, meaning we we look at the at the DNA and 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 look deeper uh, at the the actual uh, uh, genetic makeup of the animal. Uh, we're able to see how uh, how genes are actually uh, transferred from from one parent to the next. Um, you know, we always make the assumption half the genetics are, you know, half the genetics come from the sire, half the genetics come from the dam, and and that's on average, that's of course right. But it's it's um, we see um, we see genes being inherited at different frequencies and things, and genomics unlocks that for us and allows us to see um, the true genetic differences, and and therefore it allows us to to really. Um, from a seed stock world, it, it helps us identify those superior cattle in, in different traits much, much quicker than we could before. And, um, and, and honestly, probably not lose some superior genetics along the way. I think it helps mm-hmm. us identify uh, those, those great prospects uh, at, uh, at weaning time, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, it back, uh, it wasn't that long ago where if you wanted to identify a bull that was superior in carcass merit, you know, it wasn't until he was five or six years old till you got enough carcass records back that you really identified, you know, a bull that was, that was tremendous in that regard. You know, maybe along the way you got rid of the bulls that were even better. Um, you know, back when I was doing a lot of carcass grading and in the coolers, you'd come across a, you know, a beautiful yield grade two prime carcass and you wondered you know I, we have no idea what its genetic makeup mm-hmm. is I, I i sure wish i knew what its sire was you yeah, know and yeah. and uh, but we'll never know and and today that's uh we're we're moving that along uh, at a much faster pace i mean we can look at yearling bulls today 
and with genomically enhanced or with genomics into their EPDs, we call them genomically enhanced EPDs. Uh, with them, with that incorporated, we can we can look at an EPD just like it's had 15 or 20 calves already, and uh, that's that really should give uh, commercial buyers an awful lot of. Uh, you know, I think of it as risk management today. You know, it's genetic risk management that they're uh, able to really buy with uh, with with more with more uh, confidence that the uh, genetics of that animal is in fact what um, the numbers say it is, and it really again allows us to to move uh, uh, in a in a at a faster rate and and make less mistakes along the way. I hope. Mm-hmm. Mark, I want to switch directions now, and often when we think of the Angus breed, we're talking primarily as a base and a cow herd, and maternal traits being the focus if we're in a straight breeding program. However, there are those instances, and you've said they're starting to see a little bit more of that, where the Angus bull is being used as that terminal cross. Yeah, that's been, you know, really something that's evolved over the years. Again, historically, you would think of the Angus breed as a as a moderate size, moderate growth, good mother, always been known for marbling ability. So that's a, if you will, a terminal trait, but it's, it's something that's always been pretty inherent and, and, and well-known. Uh, Angus cattle have been well-known for. Um, over the years, again, as we've built stronger and used the better tools and used those tools, um, and we've really um, identified and, and bred some Angus cattle and some lines of Angus cattle that that are are incredibly fast growing, um, and uh, and and you know honestly, when you look at the um, uh, the Meat Animal Research Center data at USDA um, or in Clay Center, Nebraska, on their crossbreed um, adjustments uh, to today, the Angus breed in their data is the number one growth breed, and um, and so we've we've had um, I think for some time we've had. Uh, Commercial. I, I think of some 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 examples where Angus is exclusively a a terminal cross. I think about some programs in the South where you know they're maybe using a a, a pretty heavy Brahmin influenced uh, female to fit that environment, uh, but coming in with Angus bulls to add value to those feeder cattle and those calves aren't uh, even the females aren't being retained. It's purely a terminal cross, and so. Not that uh, I believe the whole breed has gone terminal, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's again one of the strengths of 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 having a large breed and a large database and a and a lot of breeders with differing environments and differing philosophies. Uh, we have we have registered Angus genetics out there that um, uh, are are you know that excel in terminal traits like growth rate and and uh, and carcass merit. Uh, and at the same time, we were able to identify Angus cattle that also excel, that are maybe more moderate size, better fit, uh, uh, kind of what what we're looking for from a maternal standpoint, um, that that have uh, you know fertility and longevity and and structural soundness, and again, good udders, calving ease, those sorts of things. So it, it's it's become uh, maybe a little different way of thinking about the Angus breed for some. That uh, it's it's that uh, you can you can find both cattle that excel in in uh, in terminal traits and maternal traits, both in the in the same breed, and and then of course there's those cattle that uh, that do a lot of things really well, uh, if you will. Those cattle that uh, for guys that maybe are trying to replain, retain their own uh, replacements, and and uh, and then also, uh, but also maybe retain an ownership on their steer calves. You know, there's some calves that, or there's some genetics out there that, um, uh, you know, again can can check a lot of boxes uh, for that commercial operator and keep them in business. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break here, and after the break, we're going to recap some of the things that we've talked about today, and I'm going to ask Mark, is there an area of the Angus breed that he feels they need to work on? We'll be back after this. Animal health is key to your business, so how do you track cattle health treatments? Well, stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Performance Beef helps you record processing data, enter costs, and track animal health history all in real time at the shoot. The mobile app also makes it easy to log pasture and pen treatments on the go. Your health data is integrated with feed and financial information in one easy-to-use platform, accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. 
Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm Justin Mills, and we are pleased to have on our show today Mr. Mark McCauley, CEO of the American Angus Association. And Mark, before I let you go, as we talk today, there were some phrases that I wrote down as you were talking that I think are important for those listening to understand. First, a large breed database, which means a couple of things. First, because the registry is so large, the genetics are so broad that you do have differences within the breed, which leads to the ability to, for those that would want to focus on maternal traits, there are those breeders you can you can use from that standpoint or terminal traits. So number one, we have a large breed database. Number two, we have genomics. And third, an objective breeding program. And all of that tied together with basically just having a plan and it doesn't matter if you're a commercial purebred or registered breeder you really do need a plan of what your breeding program is going to be and what it's going to achieve for you yeah i totally agree i I think you you know you i always say the the old phrase you you start with the end in mind type of thing and and that's that's to me the planning process figure out what it is you want to have in the end and then and then figure out how the genetics uh, are uh, help you get there. And um, you know, again, we've we've worked hard here at the American Angus Association to uh, to put tools uh, on on in breeders' hands and in commercial cattlemen's hands to be able to allow them to make the change that they need to make in their cow herd, uh, whether that's make them bigger, make them smaller, uh, put more marbling in them, uh, you know, whatever that is. We've we've tried to to build tools and we'll continue to build tools um and uh, and the breeders are making you know registered seed stock out there that 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 solve problems for for commercial cattlemen you know i, I keep t- harping on labor but i just think problem free cattle today um everybody i talk to is having no matter what seems like what business you're in you're having trouble getting labor and and cattle that are you know again good disposition that are problem free that just kind of go take care of things um, you know, we're, we're trying to better characterize those and, and, uh, help breeders identify them. Uh, and then kind of the third prong of this, if you will, a little bit is, is, is trying to add value to those calves. So we create pull through demand for the end product. The certified Angus beef program is, is every day out there, um, you know, creating demand and connecting consumers to, uh, to great tasting beef and, and creating more of a, of a pull through for, for registered Angus seed stock and, and, uh, and, and Angus influenced cattle and from our commercial producers. Um, and then we're putting together marketing programs, our program like Angus Link that helps a guy that's maybe not going to retain ownership, but, but wants to, wants to get more for their feeder cattle by documenting the good work that they're doing. That's, that's what the Angus Link program is designed to do. So trying to be, uh, again, serve our commercial industry. It's one of our, our core pillars and our long range objectives is, is to foster profitability of the commercial cattle producer and, and hopefully the programs and services that, that we produce here at the association is is uh, is in line with that. Mm-hmm. Mark, one final question, and I'm going to ask you to be a little vulnerable here, so to speak. But I want to start it by saying this: you guys, the Angus breed, is the big dog in the industry. You're the biggest breed. Are you satisfied with that? I'm sure you're happy to be the biggest, but are you satisfied with where the breed is at, or is there more work that can be done with the Angus breed? Oh, honestly, I believe there's a there's a ton of work to be done. I um, I I I think we can we I think we can continue to you know one of the areas that's a that's a focal point for us as a breed is is to to better describe um, maternal function, and that's one of the things we've been working on is sustained fertility and describe those cattle that stay in the herd longevity. Uh, I think we've got, uh, I think we can, we can continue to, to, to make progress there. Um, you know, I just think we can, t- can continue to help commercial cattlemen, you know, identify, um, you know, the, what they need in their operation. Um, we talk a lot about today and at our board level and then our leadership level around optimum production levels, you know, trying to help, help cattlemen find what level of output they need. Uh, versus the inputs that they have that ultimately makes them more money. And that's what our indexes are designed to do. But, you know, I really feel like we've got, um, you know, 10 years from now, we'll, we'll look back and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, with, with far more advanced and, and, and better tools, 
for our commercial producers to use to uh, to help them, you know, stay stay in their outfit. So I think we've got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, I, I'm I I think you know the the challenge with with being in that in kind of in that number one market share spot is everybody's gunning for you. You know, and that's a good thing. I can't, that's a, competition is fantastic. Uh, everyone should have an uh, you know some some people that are. You know, I, the, my my mindset is always you know act like you're number three trying to get to mm-hmm. number two. That's that's when you that's when you get better. And I I know our breeders and and our board and our staff here are all committed to that. Well, Mark, I thank you for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Oh, it's been my pleasure. It's been my pleasure. You've got a fantastic program and and and, and a privilege to be a part of it. Mark McCauley, CEO of the American Angus Association, my guest today. And again, another thank you to him for joining us as we talk about the Angus breed and some information, some advice passed along that I hope will give you some basis as you make decisions about your cow herd and your breeding programs going forward. Before we go to break, though, as Mark and I were chatting after our interview, there was something he said that stuck in my mind, and the word was relevance. As he explained how important it was that they continue to make sure they, as a breed and as a breed association, that they have to be relevant to the beef industry, that they might have to rethink some things and relearn some things so that they stay relevant to our cattle industry. So some encouraging words to end on there. Well, up next, meteorologist Don Day joins us as I ask him, when am I going to get my monsoon? You might be wondering the same thing, too. Or if you're down in the south, south central part of the country, you're saying, I'm ready for mine to end. Well, that's coming up next in our weather segment right here on the Working Ranch Radio Show on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. Payday starts with superior Beefmaster cows. Yes, the Beefmaster female has stayed true to her original purpose, to help ranchers in tough environments improve performance, survivability, and longevity. So if you're giving up ground in traits that matter, consider Beefmasters. The breed will jumpstart your cattle and give your next calf crop a performance boost. Nothing beats a Beefmaster. Learn more about what the Beefmaster cow can do for your herd at beefmasters.org. Successful cattlemen have a secret. They're always open to learning new ideas, and you can do that through Cattlemen U. Cattlemen U is an online community for beef producers or beginning farmers and ranchers who want to learn about agricultural marketing strategies, successful farm and ranch practices, futures markets, and more. Access new trainings from industry experts each month and network with members across the nation. Visit CattlemanU.com to sign up today and use code RANCH for $50 off at CattlemanU.com. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and we're joined now by meteorologist Don Day. And Don, as we look at the weather map across the country for the next 10 to 14 days, We've seen here recently a lot of moisture down in the south, south central part of the country, but where the areas that have been dry really for the next 10 to 14 days is not showing a lot of hope that we're going to see much moisture coming. Yeah, that's right. As we go in now the new month, one thing we're seeing for the first 10 days of June and maybe the first full two weeks is uh, some really warm air coming up out of the desert southwest that's going to punch into the northern areas of the U.S., you know, areas that you wouldn't expect to maybe be the areas that you would say would be the hottest, like North Dakota, eastern Montana, South Dakota, and parts of the northern plains. Those areas, as we get to the end of this week, this weekend, into next week, is is going to be the hottest areas of the U.S. relative to average. In fact, it's going to be warmer in Minot than it will be in Dallas, Texas. Now, you don't see that often. Uh, in June, uh, but that's exactly what's going to be unfolding. And those areas that are going to be getting so warm are some of those areas that are still in, you know, very bad drought conditions. And so after what was a wet end to the month of May in some of the plain states is now going to reverse and go dry again. Mm-hmm. And I know the Southeast, we've talked about this the last several podcasts, having an extreme amount of moisture. And uh, as we've talked, we're needing some moisture in some other places. And you'd promised me some monsoon weather, and I want to know when that's going to happen. It's kind of like the J.G. Wentworth commercial. I want my money, and I want it now kind of thing. So <laughs> I'm telling you, I, it's, I want my monsoon. When's it going to happen? 
Well, you know, it depends on where you live in terms of where the monsoon starts first, because the monsoon, what we call the North American monsoon, which is a natural flow of subtropical air that comes up out of Central America through the deserts of Mexico and into the southwest United States and eventually works its way north into some parts of the Central Plains and the Rockies. And it always gets started first in Arizona, uh, New Mexico, and down into northern Mexico. And it's usually during the month of June, later in the month of June, that it gets started. Because what really drives that monsoon is the heat that builds during the month of June and late May in those deserts. And that causes an area of low pressure to form, which helps like a straw, draw that moisture up from those subtropical regions of Central America into North America. And so it begins in those southwest areas later in June by usually the latter part of July, the middle part of July, we start to see it move into the central and northern Rockies. So it starts in the south, works its way north, and usually works its way out, and it starts to dissipate by the second half of August. So depending on where you live, the central and northern plains and Rockies are always the last to see it, always the first to see it will be the southwestern United States. And we're hoping that this year's monsoon is a lot better than last year's because it was well, you know, we were joking around earlier. We called it the no soon. It just never really got going. With the La Nina weaker, uh, we're hoping that this year's monsoon season is more productive with rain, especially in the southwest United States. You look at the latest drought monitor, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, western Colorado, that up into the Dakotas, you know, those northern plain states are still in uh, very severe drought conditions. All right, Don. Well, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. Don Day with dayweather.com, and you can find his daily video podcast right there on his website. A new one kicks out each and every morning, Monday through Friday. Again, that website is dayweather.com. A thank you to my other guests as well for joining me on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Today, Mark McCauley, CEO of the American Angus Association, joining me. And when we wrapped up that interview, I forgot to give you the website. If you'd like more information on the Angus Association, you can go to their website at angus.org. Also, a thank you to the captain, Tim O'Byrne, with his two cents for stopping by today. And a thank you to our sponsors as well. The American Simmental Association, Sim Genetics, is profitable through science. Find out more at Simmental.org. Cattleman U, education and community for today's cattle producer. And if you join today, here's what you can do to get $50 off. Use the code RANCH. Go to CattlemanU.com to find out more. Again, use the code RANCH to get $50 off. Other sponsors include Gelvey and Balancer, the smart, reliable, profitable choice. For more information, go to Gelvey.org. Performance Beef, easy to use, cattle management software. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. Beefmaster, nothing beats a Beefmaster. Find out more at beefmasters.org. And our final sponsor is the Working Ranch Expo. Join all of us from the Working Ranch radio show as well as Working Ranch magazine for this first ever event to be held during the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas, December 8th, 9th, and 10th for the Working Ranch Expo. If you'd like to find out more, you can go to the website at workingranchexpo.com. Like I said earlier in the program, I would like to hear from you. If you have an idea for a show topic or something you would like us to answer here on the Working Ranch Radio Show, you can get a hold of me by calling or texting the studio at 307-363-COWS. That's 307-363-COWS. Or shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. Join us each and every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern right here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM, or on your podcast provider. Thanks again for joining me. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.